Hello and welcome to episode 334 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this evening. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Friday, October the 21st, 2022, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Continuing in our series from 1 Peter 5, go check them out over at 1peter5.com, pertaining to the Holy Mass by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. And this is the third in that series entitled Sealing Holy Mass with Dominican Eyes. And it was initially published on October 12th of this year. The two previous installments were Seeing Holy Mass with Benedictine Eyes and Seeing Holy Mass with Carmelite Eyes. The Dominicans are the towering lights of the church. Think about it. St. Albert the Great, St. Thomas Aquinas, and St. Catherine of Siena, among others, were all Dominicans. The intellectual wattage and spiritual luminosity hardly gets brighter than that amongst us mortal men. It always amazes me to hear what Jesus said to Catherine as reported in her dialogue. With this light that is given to the eye of the intellect, Thomas Aquinas saw me, wherefore he acquired the light of much science. Also Augustine, Jerome, and the doctors and my saints. They were illuminated by my truth to know and understand my truth in darkness. By my truth, I mean the Holy Scripture, which seemed dark because it was not understood, not through any defect of the Scriptures, but of them who heard them and did not understand them. If you turn to Augustine and to the glorious Thomas and Jerome and the others, you will see how much light they have thrown over this spouse, the Holy Catholic Church extirpating error like lamps placed upon the candelabra with true and perfect humility. Look at my glorious Thomas, who gazed with the gentle eye of his intellect at my truth, whereby he acquired supernatural light and science infused by grace, for he obtained it rather by means of prayer than by human study. He was a brilliant light, illuminating his order and the mystical body of the Holy Church, dissipating the clouds of heresy." Apart from the fact that scores of popes have recommended St. Thomas Aquinas as the prince of theologians for over 700 years, it seems to me that St. Catherine's encomium goes a long way towards explaining why the church grants him such a privileged place in the teaching of sacred theology. St. Thomas belonged to the order of preachers styled Dominicans after their founder. This was the first religious order in the history of the church to treat study that is intellectual labor as a holy and sanctifying activity in and of itself, something worth pursuing not as a mere instrument for something else, but as a way of perfecting the image of God within us, as a genuine path to God. As a corollary, St. Dominic saw that without a sustained and serious use of the human intellect, guided by the magisterium of the church, the world's rulers and rustics alike would fall prey again and again to charlatans, hooligans, heretics, bad poets, and an assortment of demonic forces. In fact, you never can quite get rid of these parasites, but St. Dominic fashioned an order that was dedicated with steely resolve to exposing and refuting their stratagems through holy preaching and sound teaching. It may not be too much of an exaggeration to say that Dominic and the Dominicans are the saints who sanctified the study of the great books as well as the eloquence that proceeds from such study. We heard St. Catherine say that God gave St. Thomas special light to understand sacred scripture. When one thinks about the Dominican zeal for study, 
One thinks about the mass of the catechumens. One thinks about hearing scripture proclaimed from the sanctuary and expounded in the homily. One thinks about the illuminative way, touched on in my last article. As St. Augustine says in De Doctrina Christiana, all human study is ordered to understanding the word of God or to communicating it. The dedication to study found so plentifully in the Catholic tradition is ultimately in service of hearing God's word with a mind thoroughly prepared to receive it so that his wisdom becomes ours and our joy becomes complete. Let's put it provocatively. The entire academic curriculum at any institution of higher learning stands or falls, depending on whether it opens the ears of students to the full message of divine revelation as delivered by the mouth of the church's liturgy. St. Thomas, says St. Catherine, obtained supernatural light more by prayer than by human study. His earliest biographers relate that he would often take a break from his studies to go and rest his head beside the tabernacle. He participated in the Mass twice each morning, once as the celebrant with his secretary, Brother Reginald, serving him, and immediately after as the acolyte at Brother Reginald's Mass. The mystical experience that brought his life's enormous literary labors to an abrupt end took place while he was offering Mass on the Feast of St. Nicholas, December 6, 20, excuse me, December 6, 1273. After the Mass, during which he shed copious tears, he could barely speak, and apart from a short letter he dictated to the monks of Monte Cassino, he wrote or dictated no more until he died a few months later. We are therefore not surprised to find among his writings many beloved prayers and hymns in honor of the Blessed Sacrament. Most of these belong to the deservedly praised office and mass of Corpus Christi, one of the great liturgical achievements of the Middle Ages. With its poetry standing at a consistently high level of eloquence and fervor, Father Paul Murray has written a most engaging book that should be required reading for every Thomist and every Catholic theologian, Aquinas at Prayer, The Bible, Mysticism, and Poetry, published by Bloomsbury in 2013. Aquinas also paid close attention to the structure of Mass, offering a thorough divisio textus, or outline of it. When you read about the life of St. Thomas, you discover that he was a man totally consumed with love for divine truth. The Dominican motto is veritas, longing for the blessed sight of God's face, and he both quenched his thirst and increased it by his daily partaking of the sacred banquet of the Mass, the sacrum convivium, as he calls it. He is truly, in every way, a model for Catholics who pursue the lifelong task of faith-seeking understanding. Like the Benedictines with whom he spent part of his youth, St. Thomas knew the secret of ora et labora. He holds up the Dominican torch of truth for all successive generations, fully aware that, as robust as our confidence can be in the goodness of human nature and indeed of all creation, nevertheless, without the grace of God, this fallen order will end in dust and ashes, incapable of the adhering to God in love, and even more incapable of blissful union with God himself in the beatific vision. That is what we are striving for, with sighs and tears, with groanings too deep for words, fed on the words of the word, fed on the word himself. So ends Dr. K's article. We can do nothing, my friends, apart from the Lord's grace. Absolutely nothing. Everything depends on him. And that should give us a tremendous sense of peace. We can have the weight of the world 
on our shoulders if we think everything in life depends on us. And in a way, that can be a form of pride when we think, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to say this, I have to say that. No, everything depends on God. And when we allow him to work in us, when we become receptive to his grace, willing to receive what he wants to give us, open ourselves to whatever he wants, that's when we really begin to advance, I think, in the spiritual life. When we know that it's all him, everything depends on the Lord. We're weak, insignificant little nothings. He's everything. And when we come to that conclusion, I think then the journey in spirituality, the journey in faith toward the Lord really begins for us. At least I think I hope I have in my life. I'm, I'm far from being a spiritual giant. Everyone, everyone and anyone who knows me knows how weak and sinful I am. But I hope one thing that I've learned in my 44 years on this earth is that literally everything depends on him. I'm nothing, he's everything. I would like to conclude by once again taking a look at helping autism through learning and outreach. H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org. That's H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org. And I would ask you to check out episode 277 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, wherein I interviewed my wonderful sister and niece about RPM, rapid prompting method, otherwise known as typing to talk, which is a system for communication which helps those who have non-speaking autism. We believe that communication is a human right and RPM will one day be looked at like sign language and will be completely accepted worldwide. But we have to remember that even sign language had its detractors at first. So check out that website, halo-soma.org. If you have a family member or a friend who is autistic, it could very well be a life changer for them. Let us pray. Let us ask the Lord for help and for healing for all those who have been afflicted by autism and for their families. Almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael the Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. The Memorari to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness hear and answer me. Amen. By thy pure and immaculate conception, O Mary, obtain for me the conversion of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. 
The three Hail Marys in honor of Our Lady of Fatima's Immaculate Purity. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in mortis nostrae. Amen. And a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicuderat in principio et nunc et semper et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis, Sancti Osef Teradaimonem, ora pro nobis, Sancta Raphael Archangeli, Ora pro nobis. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 334 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast in your charity. Please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. You can find all the episodes cataloged there. And most importantly, pray for the eternal salvation of our bishops. Goodbye. And God love you.